Hey, good morning, everybody. My name is Jared. I am director of student ministry and a teaching pastor here at Journey. I'm so pumped to start this series, No Holding Back. Uh, just so you know, I am, I'm pumped about this because my personality is sort of this no holding back personality. My, I know some of you in the room are like me. Like if somebody said, hey, here's a donut, you would eat three. If there are some of you in the room, like uh, if you get a chance to go uh, to a theme park, you're going to hit all the rides as soon as fast you can. You're going to go back on them. And it just no holding back lifestyle. Uh, some of you are the exact opposite. Like uh, holding back is kind of your default setting. It doesn't matter who you are this morning. This series is really for all of us. And I'm hoping to convince you of that this morning, that there are th- some things that we need to learn in terms of holding back that would actually free us up. And to kind of get us started, I, I want to give you, hopefully, a glimpse into uh, maybe your own life, but through a- an experience of mine in high school. Uh, I was a basketball player, and in high school, there was this, this drill that just sort of exemplifies for me no holding back. We called it the hamburger drill. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this sort of basketball drill, but there's three people on the floor, three athletes, and they call it the hamburger drill because you don't have a team. It's not two-on-one. It's literally one-on-one-on-one. There is no team. So you got two, it's a hamburger, meat, right, hamburger. Somebody's in the middle. Somebody has the ball and two defenders. And when that person steals the ball or somebody gets a rebound, now it's two defenders on that one person. It's constantly one-on-one-on-one. You don't have anybody to depend on except yourself. And I used to love this drill because it literally was no holds barred, no holding back. There were no rules. You didn't call fouls in this game. Now, you didn't get to just like hit people in the face and and take the ball from them. It wasn't like that kind of game. But it was literally like you do whatever you can to keep the one person. We will work together while we can, but literally I'm on my own. If I get the ball, I'm not helping you out. I'm going to go all out to score five points before these other two jokers do. And, And me... Being a freshman in high school at 120 pounds and five foot four, listen, I had the advantage for two reasons. One, I knew that I could go as hard and as fast as I wanted to, and I would never hurt anybody. Like I could run into a guy who was 6'3 and around 190, and I wouldn't bother him at all. So I could kind of jab and punch and push and scoot. And I could go all out, no holding back, because I knew that the bigger guys, if they kind of bumped me, I was down. I was flat. (laughs) I was pancake. And so I had the advantage there. I could go all out and use every bit of my power. And they had to find a line where they had to hold back. And the other thing was I knew that the other two guys were thinking about it like themselves and so I knew that I could, if I could just break one down, the other guy wasn't going to help the other guy. He was just looking for his own end. So I knew how to break down mentally the, person, the people across from me. So I love this no holding back drill. Have you, ever, have you ever had a moment in your life, maybe it was in your job, where you just felt like you were hitting on all cylinders? Like you were just, you were just killing it at work, and you feel like, man, there's nothing holding me back right now. Or maybe in a relationship. You just, the first time you met this person and you sat down and you had coffee or dinner with them and you looked at them, you're like, oh my gosh, this is the one. I don't have to hold back anymore. They're going to they're gonna love me for me and I don't have to hold back these other parts. I've held back from other people. I can just completely free. I don't know where it is in your life that you felt that, but we've all felt it. And we all love this feeling of not being held back by anything. Otherwise, we wouldn't watch movies like Braveheart, guys, would we? Like the, the, the movie Braveheart. When you see him galloping in front of his troops and he's talking to them and he says, years from now we'll look back at this moment and we'll wish we had fought, right? And the famous line, because they can take our lives but they can't take our 
freedom. Nobody yells in with me? Okay. Nobody with me? Okay. But you get the point. Like, there's no holding back. It's now or never. Let's go do this. There's nothing. Look, kids get this. That's why they love the Lego movie. We adults believe our Lego, if you haven't seen it, just I'm going to ruin the whole movie for you. The adults thought that, that Legos were supposed to be done in the right way, built with the exact pieces that the manual says so, and the city should stay the way it is. And kids, when they play with Legos, yeah, they don't mind building them a couple times by the instructions, but mostly they like to create stuff and use pieces not the way they were necessarily designed to be used. And in this movie, the Lego, the kid at the end is like, he gets free reign over his dad's Legos, and finally he convinces dad to jump in. We all like, yes, we celebrate because it's no holding back creativity. It's a crazy, right? And you women are like, yeah, but I don't believe in this stuff. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You women, you watch Dirty Dancing over and over and over again. Why? Because of one scene, one stupid, ignorant scene where she gets lifted up, no holding back. She loves him for who he is, and, he lo- and then she doesn't have to hide anymore. We all love this idea of no holding back. It's just part of kind of what our makeup is. But here's the thing I want to throw at you. We feel like something is holding us back from our best life, don't we? Like a lot of times we feel like there's something in the way from us really living life. The way we think it's supposed to turn out. There's something in our way, whether it's our boss or whether it's a relationship, whether it's our kids, maybe it's our friends, maybe it's where we live. Maybe it's the circumstances we were born into, but there's something. There's something holding me back. Because I'm not feeling like that all the time. I'm not experiencing that all the time. I don't feel like I'm free to just do what I'm created to do. I feel held back. So this is where I want to start today. This is this question, because we're right. We're right when we feel that way. There is something holding us all back. There's absolutely something holding us up back. And I'm not talking about the kind of thing holding back where you go into work tomorrow and the boss, it's not been, you know, feel like the boss is against you or the co-workers against you and their enemy and going in and just being like, man, I tell you what, no holding back today. Boom! Like, just lay them out. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. It's not like walk into Walmart and just grab what you want and walk out because, hey, I, I heard a church, no holding back. So nothing should hold me back. That's, we all know that's not right because we all know there are things that we should be doing right? There's, there's things that do guide us to live a great life. But what does that look like? H- how do we get there? Because here's what I know about our jobs. Some of you want a better job and you want better pay and you wish you weren't in the job you're in right now. And you feel like something at work is holding you back. And guess what? You're right. It's really you. Yeah, but I've tried. I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. listen, if somebody were watching you tomorrow morning on a Monday at your job, and somebody from behind the scenes who wanted to hire you for the position that you dream about, for a pay that you only dream about, and they were watching behind the scenes from the shadows, and you didn't know they were there, what would they see? I'll tell you what they might see. They might see somebody who's holding back. Someone who has a lot of ideas and a lot of energy, but you hold that back because you're scared if I give this energy, if I give this idea, somebody's going to take it and use it their own, and I'm not going to get the credit. So I'm not going to give what I know is inside of me to my job because I don't trust the people around me. Maybe in your relationships you feel like something's holding you back. You just can't find the right person. Like it's, 
And then you dated this person, then you dated this person, and, you, and you're dating this person now, and you just feel like there's something holding you back from finding that one person who's going to love you for you, and you can love for them. And it's, and guess what? You're right. Something is holding back. It's, it's you. Because, see, that thing that keeps you from kind of connecting most deeply to somebody is this sort of fear of getting hurt. And so you never share. You never really let down your guard Because you've been hurt so many times that you're scared to get back in that position and be hurt again. And so out of fear of that hurt, you just hold back a little bit. And you keep that relationship from going the next step because uh, I don't know if I can go there and be hurt again. For some of you, it's just... Just maybe in your, in your character in your, or in your self-discipline or in your generosity or some other area of your life where you feel like you're being held back and it's something else that's holding you back. But you know what it really is. It's you. So here's, here's kind of the bottom line of the next two weeks that I want to try and convince you of. This, this bottom line that we are held back because we are holding back. See, the, I think we want to blame other people around us. We want to blame uh, our circumstances and where we are and who's around us. And we want to blame God for a lot of the things that we see as holding us back. But listen, let's just be honest for a second. We're really good at holding back in our own lives. We're really good at holding back so that we can blame somebody else for the things that tend to happen to us. And listen, I'm not saying that everybody in this room, that everything that's ever happened to you is your fault. That's not what I'm saying. But here's what I'm saying. The way you approach the problems and the challenges and the obstacles in your life, you could be holding back, which is what is really holding you back, not someone else. So here's what I want to launch into today. I want to help us kind of figure out. There's actually two things that I'm going to talk about in the next two weeks that I believe are the two main reasons why we feel held back and why we don't recognize that it's us holding us back. It's because we have a mindset about the different things in our lives. And and here's the first one I want to talk about today. I'm held back when I try to do God's job. Like We're going to talk about that more in depth today, but just think about this for a second. A lot of times why you're held back is because you're trying to do something that you actually can't do. It's actually God's job to do, but you believe it's your job to do, so you keep trying to do it. And that's what's holding you back. But there's another one I want to talk about. We're going to save this one for next week. But this second one is for next week. But I just want to get it in your mind so you can just mull it over this week. I'm also held back when I try to make God do my job. Like there are times when we want God to do the things that really are our responsibility and what we're supposed to do. So really there's, there's really two things in this two-part series I want you to understand. You just need to let God do his job. And then you need to make sure you do your job. And that will pull out... I guarantee you, it'll pull out almost all of the frustration you feel about being held back. Because you'll be working on the right problems with the right attitude, and that will help you figure out what your next step is. So I want to walk you through some teaching by Paul. Now, Paul was writing a letter. What we're going to be looking at is the, the, the letter of Galatians, that is, to the people of Galatia. That was an area in modern-day Turkey. And Paul went there and talked about Jesus, and a church actually started there. People believed in Jesus. They believed he died for them and rose from dead, and as amazing as it sounds, they, they bought into that. And Paul leaves this group of people, kind of early Christians, not, not really mature in understanding them, how this all works and trying to live it out, but he's like, hey, my job is to go tell other people, so I'm going to put a couple people here to kind of help guide you, and you guys are a church. But Paul gets word 
from some of his friends as he's traveling around that the Galatians have gone back to living in a way that is completely the opposite of what he taught them. And in fact, he taught them this verse. He said, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. Because he heard about the Galatians that they were living as if they were Jews. Now, the Galatians weren't Jews. They were, they were Greeks or, or, or some other group of people over in this other area, and they weren't Jewish people. But Paul hears that they're trying to live as if they're Jews. And Paul's like, whoa, 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 whoa. It is for freedom that Christ set you free. It's not about becoming a Jew. It's not about doing what the Jews did. In fact, the Galatians had gone so far as to require circumcision for the males, and they started living by the Jewish holidays, and they'd enacted all these different kinds of laws in their life to try to set up a perfect way to live out what they believed. They kind of set up their own new rule system underneath the kind of Jewish rule system that was going to help them do it exactly right and live their best life. And Paul writes back and goes, no, 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 wait, you guys have missed it. It's for freedom that Christ sets you free. Now listen, some of you aren't believers. You're not sure you believe in Christ. You're not even sure you believe he was a, even like a person we should respect. Or you're like, maybe his teachings were pretty good, but is he really somebody that's going to be able to set me free? I get that this morning. But listen, whether you're, whether you're a Christian or not, we all do what the Galatians did. Like we're all in the same boat. When you think about it, whether you're a Christian or not, you, you have developed sort of your own moral code. And you've developed kind of your own system and laws that are going to help you live the best life. Like I said earlier, you know that tomorrow morning if you walk in and punch your boss in the face, no matter how mad he's made you or she's made you, that's not going to get you where you want to go. That will actually put you in the opposite area. You won't be free, you'll actually be in prison. Though while it feels like freedom to just let your anger out and punch somebody, that's not the freedom we know we want. So we enact and put across a moral and an ethical authority over our lives ourselves. Some of us, if you're Christians, you try to base that on what you've learned from God or learned from Jesus or learned from the, the writers of the Bible, and you try to enact these different pieces of this moral law. And so all of us are in the same boat this morning. We all try to build a lifestyle that's going to get the best out of our life. And we've enacted all these laws. Let me talk to the Christians for a second this morning. That's why some of you... As Christians, you're here today. Now, you showed up because you know you're supposed to go to church. And because you know you're supposed to go to church, you feel vindicated for being here. And, and some of you in your minds, you've judged other people because they're not here. And because they didn't show up today, you have a judgment in mind. Well, they're not as good as me. They're not as good a Christian as me. So you've got this kind of moral and ethical standard that kind of puts you in a weird position, doesn't it? Some of you, you, you read your Bible and you pray on the daily. And if you miss a day, you actually feel super guilt over not reading the Bible. Because you know you're supposed to read the Bible. You're supposed to pray. So that, that law that you've broken, that you've put in your life, you feel super, super guilty about. And there's other things that are really simple. Like... We all know that the way we talk to our family members and the way that we treat our coworkers, the responsibility we have to treat them with love and respect, like we, we have a certain range of behaviors that are allowed within that. But you know what the problem is with that? We are often putting on ourselves laws that are not actually good for us. But see, God's job is to tell us what will get us the best life. It's actually not our job. It's not our job to figure out what the ethical standards are because we didn't create ourselves. 
We didn't create our desires. We didn't create our passions and abilities. God did. And so when you try to produce your own moral code, when you try to come up with a way to to live life, to, to get the best out of your life, when you try to create this perfect standard for how you know that people should treat other people, you're actually doing God's job. You're trying to come up with a, with a code of behavior that's going to get you the best life when, when you don't even really know what you need or what you really were made to do. And so even Christians, you would get this wrong. You know why? Because all of us in the room, and Christians honestly especially, we trust ourselves and what we can do more than we trust what Jesus did for us. See, we enact these different behaviors on ourselves because we believe that if we can figure out how to do everything right, then we'll have figured out how to live the best life that God wants for us. So all it's a matter of doing is just following these principles or these laws, and that's what's going to bring the best life for me. And listen, I'm not saying you need to throw the law away. We'll talk about that in a second. But what I'm saying is if the law becomes the end, if the behavior becomes the end, then what you're trusting is your ability to pick the right things, and the right behaviors all the time, every time, and to get that right. Now that puts us in a weird position, because if you can create your own ethical and moral standards, if you can create the, the, the perfect lifestyle and the way to live, listen, you still have a problem, because you don't even live up to your own standards well, do you? I know I don't. I'm going to talk to me for a second. Because I know that I've set these certain things in my head of how I should treat my kids, And almost every day, I say as a father, I want to love them and love them unconditionally. And then I want to to have a special moment every day with each of my kids where we sit down and talk and we build relationship together. But you know, my first thought is when I come in from work, I'm tired and I want to get dinner done. And you know what, just go watch the screen for a second, go get your Kindle, go get it, go to the take an hour so I can just kind of be alone for a second. And by the time we get into dinner, yeah, we sit around the table and we talk to one another for a little bit. But then it's like, you know what, it's almost time for bed. Why don't you, hey, go get a, go get a bath. Go, 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 go. Just rush, rush, rush. And hurry up, I'm getting bed because I'm tired and I just want to sit down and relax for a second. You know what most of my days are like? Breaking every single fatherly thing I've put on myself to do. We can't even get our own laws right. We don't even live up to our own standards. And you know what we tend to do? This is what we do. Because we've set up these other standards for ourselves, now we try to do another job that's actually God's, that's not ours to do. We start, trying how to, we start trying to figure out how to fix ourselves. So here's what we do. We go through our, our whole realm of solutions. I know what the solution will be. The solution is, listen, the, the, the reason I do that as a father is because I feel, like, I feel like all these different things that I have to do have to get done, and I can't afford to pay somebody in my own yard. Maybe I, can't, maybe I can't afford to get these things for my kids that would make it better for them, and maybe I can't afford to do that. So you know what the solution is? The solution is to make a lot more money. I need a new job, and I need to make more money. And so a lot of us spend our whole lives trying to figure out how to solve that problem because we feel like that's the problem that's actually going to get us to a better life. And so we, we work ourselves all around this whole goal of getting more stuff. It's getting more money, getting the best job. That's what will solve all my problems. Now, some of you aren't like that. Some of you are another way. Some of, some of us in this room believe that this problem will be solved when we get our relationships exactly right. And we actually ignore other things, and all we worry about is getting that one or two relationships just exactly right. 
You don't think about anything else but the, the romantic relationship that's not in your life or the romantic relationship that isn't in your life and how to fix it. And you spend all your time around this one relationship. And when that relationship starts, starts, starts going wrong or something breaks down or you do something to hurt the other person, your whole world falls apart. And many of you have never, ever, ever been alone because you go from relationship to relationship to relationship because you're so afraid. Because in your mind, the best life you can imagine is being with somebody and being connected to somebody. And your worst nightmare would be alone. And so you, you work as hard as you can to make sure that relationship because you feel like that's solving the problem. And then some of you, you feel like, if, man, if I, could just, if I could just feel fulfilled if I could just do something that would make me feel good every single day and, and get this fulfilled feeling and I would feel at the top of my game, and I know what that is. It's just being generous to other people. And listen, that's not a bad thing, but I want, I want you to watch something. I'm just going to go do everything I can for other people. That's a great, great goal. But listen, if you start to worship the good you're doing, if you start to put that as the first thing, the good you're doing, oh man, fill me up. I do this for good. Oh good, I feel good again. You are not focused on solving the true problem. We're all trying to solve this problem. And guess what? It's not a problem any of us can solve because we're all trying to solve a problem that is in us that was only meant for God to solve. Now that's hard to hear. It's hard for me to hear because I don't want to be in a situation where I can't win. I want to be able to win at life. I want, I want to be able to live my best life. So if you're telling me everything I'm chasing is the wrong thing, what, what, what is it? What am I supposed to be doing? Listen, Paul just tells us first, just don't live under this curse anymore. You've got to recognize that the way you're trying to solve your problem is a curse. Look at this verse. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Paul, Paul is just saying, listen, if you can't live your own ethical standards perfectly, if you can't get everything you want perfectly, you're going to be living cursed because you're always going to be chasing this thing that you say defines your life. And if it's your job, or if it's the amount of money you make, or if it's the relationships in your life, or if it's, or if it's literally the, the, the good things that you do that make you feel better inside, if those are the things that you have to do to feel fulfilled and feel purposeful, he says, look, you're trying to solve a problem that you cannot solve. That is actually God's problem to solve. So here, here's what we end up with, people. Here's what we end up. You try to live by an ethical standard that you set. Even if it's something you've taken from, from God and, and what He says to do. If you're trying to live to this standard, what you've done is put you in a curse loop. You're in a curse loop. I'm going to live by these standards. Oh no, I messed up. I'll have to find a way to solve that. I'll go back and do it this way. I'll do something different. And now I'm going to work, 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 and work, and I'm going to solve this problem. Oh no, I didn't. I didn't solve the problem. I still got the problem. And you're in a curse loop. You're living under the law. Listen, you may not believe in Jesus or any of this stuff. Listen, you're living under the law. The law is going to determine how well you live your life, right? How well can I live up to these standards? And Paul says, you're living under a curse because there's only two responses to living under that curse. If you're depending on what you do to get what you need out of life, he says, you're either going to be prideful or you're going to be under despair. Like, you will get to a point where you're living as good as you can live 
And you're going to look down all the other people who can't live up to your standards. And you're going to be willing to give yourself a little grace on some things because it's your standard. But you're going to live in a prideful way and you're going to look at all the people who don't do and say and live the way you live. And you're going to look down on them and say, yeah, but look at me. Look how I've lived. I'm living my laws. I'm living my standards. I've got the best life and they wish they could be me. Or you're going to be in complete despair. I'll never be able to live up to these standards. Every time I try, I fail. Every time I try to get better at this and try to get better my life and and get to these dreams that I have, I fail. I can't make it. And that's when despair hits. You have no hope. Those are the two options for us. But that's not where Paul leaves us. And when he's talking to the Galatians, that's where he left them. That's not where he leaves us. Listen, Paul's not saying throw out God's law. Paul wasn't saying forget all the good things that Jesus taught. Because the law was intended, the original law that he's talking about here, the book of the law that Moses brought to the people of Israel. Do you know what the book of the law was designed to do? It was supposed to show the people of Israel, here are my standards for being perfect. Here's what good living is supposed to look like. But by the way, this is supposed to teach you that you actually can't do this on your own. That you should come to me. Because you can't actually fulfill these. The law was meant to draw us toward the person whose job it was to one, lay down the law, and his job is also to release us from the mistakes we'll make on the way. But we think of the law as something we're supposed to enact on ourselves. And then we trap ourselves in pride and despair. But Paul says, whoa, 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 whoa. Here's the deal. You, you don't have to live under that curse anymore. You don't have to live that way. In fact, this this statement right here would kind of sum it up. We're holding back control of our lives from God because we're afraid He won't give us what we want. See, we don't want to give up control of setting our own ethical standards because God's standards are so much higher than ours and so much better than ours. I'm afraid to go do that because if I release myself to those standards, I may not get what I want. Well, God says I should be living this way. But God says I should be living this way. Man, those laws look hard to get. I don't know I can live up to those. Yeah, you can't, but you're also afraid to to give up control of what you're living and how you're living and how you view those laws because you're afraid if you start living the way God says, you might not get these desires and things you want. See, we all have a dream of what good life looks like. We all have have an idea of what our best life looks like. And then we try to figure out what our best life looks like, and if it doesn't look like that, what God has over here, then I, I can't trust Him and go that way because what if I lose this? Some of us are so bad. I'm so bad at this. I look at my future and what I want that I don't even have yet. And I'm not even willing to trade something I don't even have for what God may have for me. That's how terrible at this I am. Like I look at what I want 10 years from now, and I'm very unwilling sometimes to go, God, you just, you just take control of that. I'm going to trust you with that. We have a real problem with this. And Paul says there's only one solution to this dilemma we put ourselves in. Because we want to live a good life. We want to figure out what good life looks like. We want to give the best life. We want to have good things. We want to do all that. But we keep breaking our own laws. We even break God's laws. And it looks like God's putting on us laws that we can't fulfill. And that's right. And Paul says there's only one solution. There's only one way out of this loop. Let's look at it. 
I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. Paul says, Galatians. If he were here today, he'd be telling you, look, I want you to understand something. Giving up control of your life, what's good, defining for you what good life is, defining for you what purpose and fulfillment is, that's not your job. That's God's job. And here's the way I think of it. I've been crucified with Christ. To give up control of your life, Paul says you actually have to die. You have to see yourself as crucified. Now watch. Crucifixion is not fun. Crucifixion is torturous. And it hurts. And it slowly pulls your life away. And Paul says, listen, if I'm going to live my best life, if you want to break this cycle, this curse that you're living in, this loop of trying to set your own standards and, and then breaking them and trying to figure out how to keep living your best, he's like, you, you just got to die to that. You got to stop believing that you know what's best for you. You got to stop believing that you can even figure it out. You got to stop believing that there's a way for you to solve this problem in you that keeps popping up all the time. You have to die to yourself. You have to kind of pretend that you're crucified with Christ and that you no longer live. Well, that's tough. I don't, I don't want to give up my dreams and desires for what life looks like. I don't, I don't want to give up my dream for a relationship. I don't want to give up my dream for a better job. I'm not, listen, you're going, to have to, you're going to have to forget all these kind of ideas about what you think good life looks like. Because here's what I think most of us think. We believe that the God who could create the platypus, as creative as that being is, I don't know if you've looked at the platypus lately, but that's a weird looking thing. The creativity it took to create stars that, that are all around the galaxy, the millions of galaxies we have, and that we can't even find the end of the universe. The God who could create atoms within us and different types of cells that create our body, that kind of God who created all that stuff, He can't, he can't possibly imagine a better life for you than what you can. Well, oh, there's no way He could do that. There's no way He would know you so well that the things that you most desire in your heart and the solutions you think that will solve those heart problems for you, that he wouldn't know better what would solve those heart problems for you than you do. Like maybe the, some of the dreams and things that you hold on to really are not the things that you want most in life. Because let me tell you my personal story on this. The, the, most of the times when I dive deep into who I am and what I want, here's what I find. I don't even know why I want the things I want. What drives me a lot of times is an insecurity. The reason I work so hard, the reason I work longer hours, the reason I, I go home thinking about stuff and trying to do that stuff is because I have an insecurity. See, I, I'm uncertain that, that all of you and all the people that I work with and during the week, that they're going to look at me and see what's really going on in me because I'm broken and I'm messed up and I have lots of faults, but if I can work hard enough, I'll trick everybody. And my insecurity won't drive, it will drive me to do things that I normally wouldn't do. And I know that this, sometimes I tend to exaggerate. I tend to exaggerate around friends, and it's just little stuff, but I tend to exaggerate because I want to be seen as the best, and I want to be seen as good, and I want people to like me so much, and I want to fill that piece of me up so much that I'm willing to exaggerate and lie a little bit. And I'm even willing to lie sometimes to the closest people around me 
because I don't want them to know what I really think about something. Because I'm afraid if they find out, they won't love me anymore. Listen, I think sometimes if we'll dive down into this, we'll realize that there's a part of us. We don't want to let go of our life because we believe we know what's best for us. And Paul says, you are living in a curse because that is God's job. God's job is to tell you what to do with that broken piece inside you. It is God's job to free you from that. It's not your job. You can't work hard enough. You can't make enough money. You can't have enough relationships. You can't have enough sex. You can't get enough porn. You can't get enough uh, affirmation from everybody around you to fill what it is that's broken in you. Well, what can? One solution, guys. He goes on with this verse. But Christ lives in me. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If I die, if I die to these things I want to try and solve within myself, myself, if I die to the, to the action of trying to do this myself, if I give up on that, guess what I have at my disposal? The life of Jesus. Listen, you guys all understand. You ever been to a tractor pull? Anybody ever been to a tractor pull, truck pull? You ever watched it? I haven't ever been to one. I watch them, I've watched them on TV some. I know lots of my friends when I grew up, they went to the, the county fair and they watched, they wanted, in fact, my cousin wanted to be in the truck pulls. You know, you know what's fascinating about truck pulls? They're, tr- they're pulling all this weight. Have you ever watched them pull this weight? And they're kind of in a muddy, dirty lane, you know what I'm talking about? It's kind of dirt's just flying when they're pulling this stuff. But you watch these trucks and you watch these tractors and they are just, I mean, they are torqued all the way up and the front end comes off the ground and they are working, working, working. They're pulling this sled and they're going like, man, they're going just so slow, honestly. They're pulling all that weight and they, boy, they start off fast and then they just, they just grind down and grind down and boy, and everybody's shouting and cheering and I'm like, they're not going anywhere. That's why I can't get into it. I'm like, it's not going anywhere. But if you ever, ever watched when they unhook that truck or tractor from that weight, what happens? What happens to that truck or tractor? Right? Or if the chain breaks, you ever had the chain break when you're trying to pull something behind you and you're trying to pull it out of a muddy ditch and the chain breaks and boom, just takes off. Paul says, listen, Paul says, you want to be set free? You want to, you want to live life to the full? You want to have what it is you want most out of life? Then you've got, you've got to live the life of Christ. You get, you've got to let the, the life of Christ, the one who was dead and came back to life, you've got to let that live in you. That's the way to solve the problem. And he'll tell you what good life looks like. He'll tell you what good dreams look like. He'll tell you what good relationships look like. And you don't have to be held back by your insecurity or your fear or your guilt or your shame or any of this other stuff that keeps holding you back from doing the best at your work and from giving your true self to the people around you and for being honest about the things that you're not sure about. All that stuff can be, it just be left behind. Because you're going to live this life you're living in faith. That he loved you. And he gave himself for you. Listen. You can stop depending on the good things you do 
to make you right with God. It is not how many Bible studies you do in a year that should make you feel good about yourself. It's not how many good prayers you prayed today. It's not how many times you prayed this week. It's not how much money you gave away. That all shouldn't make you feel good. You know what should make you feel great? Is that you know in faith that Christ loved you. He gave himself for you. Are there good things you should do? Yes. We're going to talk about that next week. But for right now, here's what I want you to, to just think about. That there is, there is a moment in all of our lives we have to understand that it's no longer us who is going to solve the problems. It's actually God's job to solve the deepest issues in our life. And if we cannot trust Him, if we cannot put our faith in Him to do that, we live in a curse. And we curse ourselves because we all know we can't live up to the standard we even set. How are we ever going to be perfect? The standards God sets. And yet, we'll blame everything in our lives for why we don't live a good life. Except our own stubbornness. Our own trust in ourselves. So I just want to ask you one last question today before we get out of here. Will you trust Jesus with your life? Will you trust Jesus with your life? Will you trust that he loved you enough to die for you? Will you trust that all the good things you could possibly do in this world will never measure up and be good enough to meet a perfect standard? Will you, will you recognize that? And will you just trust that Jesus looked at that in you and saw that you were broken anyway and said, that's okay. I still love you and will give myself for you. Will you just trust that? Because this solves... This answer, the answer to this question will solve the problem for you. The problem that you feel that something's always holding you back. That there's always something kind of keeping you from living your best life. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now, it's not your circumstances. It's not your job. It's not your relationship right now. It's this question. This is the question you have to solve first before you get into anything else. Because God's job is to set the standard. And it's God's job to save you from yourself. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this truth. The truth that we we confront in ourselves every single day that we cannot live up to even our own standards and we can't live up to yours and we can't seem to get this life right. And as much as we try, there's so many solutions we try that just don't move us forward. And God, we're held back by our own lack of faith and trust in you. God, I pray today, there may be a person today who's never actually taken the step to trust you more than anything else in their life, to trust you above their own abilities, to trust you above the money they make, to trust you above the relationships they have, to trust you above their church attendance. God, if there's somebody here today, God, I pray that you would just keep working on them this afternoon. Stay close to them and let them know that you love them And you gave yourself for them so they could be free from all that's holding them back. And God, I pray that as we we try to figure this out this week, God, those of us who already have have made that step to trust you, God, that we we tend to just fall back into old ways so quickly because we're trying to figure out how to live this perfect life. And God, I pray that you just help us to trust in you. 
and what you have for us is better than what we can dream about. And God, I would just want to encourage everyone here today. God, please give them encouragement as they go that you are with them every step of the way. That the people who are hurting here, who are, who are broken, who, who, whose jobs aren't going well, whose relationships aren't going well, God, that you do not leave them alone in that. And they can trust that you're with them. And it's your son's name I pray it. Amen.